This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com on your favorite podcast app. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 143 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter page, it's Liam. Liam, welcome to episode 143 of the DCAU Review. That's right, and uh, as the theme song you heard at the beginning of the episode might be informing you, it's the fifth Saturday of the month, and usually what we've started doing when we have that extra week is... We pick a, a trip through the multiverse, if you will, and uh, we arrive at an Elseworlds tale. We are back reviewing yet another episode of Batman, The Brave and the Bold this week, and we've got a big one. We were reviewing Superman all month, and the Man of Steel once again appears here, and he's not alone. It's not just him and Batman this time. We also have Wonder Woman along as well in this week's episode, Triumvirate of Terror. That is right, Liam, and uh, we have reviewed a handful of episodes so far uh, from Batman, The Brave and the Bold. You can check those out in the archives at dcaureview.com. Uh, of course, we most famously uh, first covered uh, the a Christmas episode a few years ago. That was our first one. We've covered a few guest spots here and there as well, featuring... Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, we had a Captain Marvel episode that we, we covered. We had Not a, that one, the other one. The other one, yeah. Shazam, I guess, is he's more mo- known uh, in the modern age. Well, one of the last episodes that we covered was also a Superman-centric episode in our uh, Elseworld Superman month last year. So uh, the, we, we have uh, already experienced Superman a little bit in that episode. Uh, again, can be heard in the archives. That was a fun one. So definitely mm-hmm. looking forward to covering this episode with you today. Uh, this episode that we are talking about, if we did not mention the title, is tri- the Triumvirate of Terror, and uh, man, that's a that's a fun one to say. <laughs> that originally <laughs> debuted on the Cartoon Network back on October the seventh, two thousand and eleven. Liam, meaning we are coming up on the ten year anniversary of this episode as well. Uh, before we get into covering it today, though, I will throw it over to you with our Internet Movie Database official synopsis that's right and this is for the episode triumvirate of terror which was written by paul giacapo directed by michael gogan with music by the dynamic music partners and that synopsis reads as such after the world's greatest baseball game against the legion of doom Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman face off against their arch enemies, Joker, Lex Luthor, and the Cheetah, who gain the upper hand by switching on their respective opponents. Okay, yeah, it could have been worded a little bit better. But... Switching is a bit ambiguous. There. See me <laughs> after class, IMDb. But, um, yeah, so that's basically, it's a, it's a very, as a lot of these episodes are, and I don't say that as an insult, it's a very simple plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do, as as often is the case with these episodes, we have the uh, the sort of cold open before the main title sequence, which is its own sort of succinct, like, two-minute story, and we get a homage to a very specific uh, classic Silver Age DC comic where the Justice League International, plus Robin and Kid Flash, are uh, playing baseball against the Legion of Doom. We see characters like Felix Faust, Weather Wizard, Amazo, and, and several others, and a lot of the, the main cast of Brave and the Bold, we see a lot like Plastic Man and Aquaman showing up on uh, 
on the heroes side is in addition to batman superman and wonder woman so we have that quite a bit of fun we'll probably talk about that more in visuals but uh that that's a fun little opener there um and then we move on to the main plot which is yes as the synopsis suggests uh we we get to see some of the camaraderie between the the trinity as they're known uh batman superman and wonder woman and they're sort of we open with them briefly foiling their greatest foes plans for the umpteenth time which leads to Luthor, Cheetah, and Joker regrouping at the Legion of Doom headquarters. And when I, we say the, we mean the That's right. Legion of Doom headquarters right out of Super Friends. And they decide that the best way to attack our heroes going forward is if they switch it up. We need a victory, and we need it now. Oh, face it, Lexi, the axe gone stale. Our respective nemesis know all the punchlines. Like kryptonite. Can't you do anything creative with it? I don't need advice from a cut-rate catwoman. <sighs> Crazy thought. Maybe it's time we changed dance partners, hmm? You scratch my foes back, I'll scratch yours? Yes. If each of us takes on a different hero, it's a whole new game. Advantage us. Dibs on a swimsuit model. A mere mortal for a change. But that leaves Cheetah with... The man of steel? Ha! Steel or flesh, no man can resist the claws of this cat. <laughs> and this time, we bring the battle to them. <laughs> and Lex goes after Batman, Joker goes after Wonder Woman, and the cheetah goes after Superman. And uh, that's kind of the rest of the episode, is just some, some fights between those characters. Yeah, it's uh, it's these uh, well, the episodes that we've covered thus far, there's really not a whole lot of depth that goes into them as far as complicated or maybe life changing stories that are being told. I know that we've alluded to, and you've had more exposure to this series than I have, mm-hmm. uh, admittedly. So I know that there are a few episodes, especially as we get deeper into it, where they decided to go a little bit more serious and have a little mm-hmm. bit deeper. Uh, more storytelling as opposed to just fun and action and uh, being geared more towards a younger audience or that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe seven to seven to ten year old audience and, and sort of branching out beyond that. And um, with that said, though, it's not a it, there's not a not a whole lot of depth here. As you said, it's it's just a fun, goofy homage. And we've talked about it on every episode that we've covered of this, you know. James Tucker literally describes this as a love letter to that Silver Age Batman, you know, the mm-hmm. Batman that he grew up uh, loving. And there's certainly homages and, and tips and nods to the to the 60s Batman, uh, Batman 66, the Adam mm-hmm. West show. The, in this episode specifically, there's nods and, and homages to the Linda Carter Wonder Woman series. Yep. Uh, so there's there's a lot of that, that era of superhero before it got serious, before it got gritty, before it got <laughs> dark, before there were these super you know big world changing stories being told uh you know mm-hmm. month month to month in the comics or on on the, the screens so the fact that it, it is a little bit of a fresh fresh look on things or there's a little bit of innocence that you get when you watch watch these which is can be very refreshing especially based on how a lot of superhero storytelling these days can kind of be laid on top of each other based on how <laughs> how a lot of the stories are told nowadays but um yeah the the story the story continues as you said they you know cheetah ends up uh 
with being matched up against Superman, the Joker gets matched up against Wonder Woman, and Lex Luthor gets matched up against Batman. Uh, there's also this sort of side subplot that there's a time capsule that's being uh, buried to be opened in 50 years in the future, and the Trinity has been asked to to supply one item that would define them for a future generation to uncover in, mm-hmm. in 50 years to sort of define what it means to be them as a hero. So there's this side su- side subplot of them trying to decide what they're going to put into this into this time capsule. Uh, to kind of to speak to future generations, and that plays into ultimately how Batman, who of course is the hero of this show, and is ultimately the one to figure out how he's going to best, despite the fact that it looks like they've all been bested by this mm-hmm. sort of villain switch, how he's going to bring them together and and sort of uh, best best them at the end of the day. Disgusting. It's in my palm. See. I meant the tabletop. It's hideous. Are these cows? It's not the venue. It's the company. Double bacon cheeseburger with fries. Make it two. I'll have the tuna club on whole wheat and a salad. Make it three. And shakes all around. You'll work it off, princess. Now, have either of you given any thought to the time capsule? Oh, right. The superhero memorial. So we give them a personal item, they bury it, and dig it up again in 50 years? Why? A message to future generations of heroes. Did you see their suggestions? Your tiara, my cape, Batman's batarang? Please, as if those things were all that defined us. Agreed. But then, what? To be continued, I guess. Food's here. When I'm fighting for the American way... This is what I'm really talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of the... They are, at least it appears, that the villains do get the upper hand and that their plans are working. Uh, Joker, with the help of a, a lot of Joker toxin, is able to incapacitate most of the Amazons on, on Paradise Island and even is able to capture Wonder Woman. Uh, we have uh, Luthor kind of really beating, beating the tar out of Batman in the Batcave, kind of out-teching him at every turn, and then we have uh, Cheetah using magic and kryptonite to get the best of Superman, and um, but Batman has the idea that, oh, well, it's he says, like, I, I'd rather die here than, than be disgraced in public, which gives Luthor the idea to bring them all together and, uh, t- and try to destroy them on a, on a global stage with cameras and satellites that they just happen to have. Again, another very, like, Great homage to the Super Friends, where the Legion of Doom headquarters can just do whatever they needed it to do, depending <laughs> on the episode. Time travel, space yes. travel, whatever. Yeah, it can hack into every television. Not just on Earth, by the way, because he also broadcasts to several alien worlds as That's well right. with this signal. But of course, you know, while they begin to argue, the villains begin to argue over who's going to get what city after they've destroyed the heroes, uh, that gives... Batman time to free Superman, who frees Wonder Woman, who frees Batman. And then we have another uh, brief fight where the the teamwork and camaraderie of the heroes triumphs. And they they finally figure out what to put in that time capsule, which we find out 50 years later is the jukebox that was in the diner where we see them having a meal together just before the, uh, the villains hatch their plot.
there's still one major problem. The time capsule. It's the deadline and none of us have anything to put in it. I'm sure we'll figure something out. As we open this time capsule after 50 years, we finally get our answer to the question, what does it mean to be a superhero? Well, that's heroic. Which I thought was kind of a nice moment. And of course, they're all still alive and in attendance at it. And as some giant robots appear to attack the event, wouldn't you know it, they suit back up and we get the uh, the adventure continues, if you will, as uh, as they continue to, ri- to ride off. And we'll certainly have more to say about that in, uh, in visuals as well. There's some cool homages to uh, various other DC uh, properties and creators throughout these these episodes but uh yeah like i said it's not it's not a deep plot like we've said it's you know bad guys come up with a scheme they trap the heroes the heroes free each other and they win yeah, which right. is and it's okay it's it doesn't it doesn't reinvent the wheel but that's you know not every episode has to so uh kind of a weird episode of score but i i settled on a seven out of ten yeah <laughs> Man, we've been on the same wavelength this whole year thus far. <laughs> I also went with a 7 out of 10 for plot. Uh, yeah, it's it's good, clean fun. I think starting with those cold opens, that's something that sets this whole whole show apart. Uh, you're not going to see <laughs> you're not going to see too many modern stories of Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman playing baseball against uh, Lex Luthor and the Joker. I mean, that's 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 true. That's just such a weird zany and and I think you did mention it is based on uh, it is based on uh, a comic, which I'm sure is probably available in the DC Universe, that being DC Superstars Giant Number 10, which came out in 1976, according to the DC, or uh, the Brave and the Bold wiki. Um, so, I, you know, feel free to check that out. But that's a goofy little self-contained story. But there's mm-hmm. even some Easter eggs and some nods in there. You know, Amazo shows up and... Uh, he's he's the umpire for the game, <laughs> and uh, Wonder Woman uses her lasso of truth after he calls her out on a play, <laughs> and she uses her lasso of truth, That's and a he great admits gag, yeah. he admits that he, uh, you know she, in order to, that she was safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that that was great. Um, there's uh, Batman has to give the prototypical uh, manager slash coach pep talk to his team as they're down to try and rile them up, and he mentions uh, there's a Julie Swartz and a, a Frank Miller, Frankie Miller in the <laughs> in the crowd watching today. Obviously, uh, two two people that played a had a large influence on uh, on James Tucker. Uh, clearly enough to for him to give a shout out to both of them mm-hmm. in the uh, in the scripting here. Thought that was funny, uh, but that that's again that's something that is just it is in and of itself. I, I mean, ironically, is a time is a time capsule in and of itself in an era where superheroes would play baseball against supervillains in a comic book and that was that was normal accepted storytelling you know the the goofiness of it absolutely Uh, so you know that in and of itself is interesting i think them setting up this thread that 
they're trying to figure out what to put in into this time capsule and batman uses this line as wonder woman is talking about the uh the tablecloth being disgusting and he talks about not where they are but the company that they're Mm -hmm. with with that is really what matters and then that of course is what ultimately he uses as his strategy to to foil the villains bringing them all together not Mm -hmm. where they were but but them being together in the same room and then that jukebox of course symbolizing that them being together is ultimately what what mattered and that's what they wanted to leave as their legacy so yeah there's i mean there's some cutesy things in there there's some neat little nods and homages to various different things a lot of which we'll talk about i'm sure in visuals but uh storytelling wise it like you said it wasn't it wasn't anything that's going to win an award for being <laughs> being goofy i the i mean the idea the idea of villains changing up who they're going to go after that's interesting i like yeah, that idea i always like that and when you see yeah when you see batman fight captain boomerang or something you know, right something something and then strategizing and figuring out like hey we've tried this a bajillion times and <laughs> been foiled every single time what if we changed up and we came at them with things that they weren't used to right it's a very kind of kind of meta but not too fourth wall breaking of being like hey we've we've <laughs> lost five thousand times in a row maybe it's time <laughs> maybe this couldn't hurt to uh give it a shot for sure so uh, yeah, that that was that was certainly welcome. But uh, yeah, overall, it's it's fun. We talk about that a lot when we review these Brave and the Bold episodes. They're good twenty-two minute fun episodes. I don't think we've reviewed an episode yet that hasn't hasn't left me like chuckling or smiling mm-hmm. in some sort of cutesy way. Um, certainly more uh, others more than more than this maybe, but uh, it's it's cutesy and fun enough, and certainly something that you can enjoy uh, while still being simple and understandable. Absolutely. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is uh, probably my favorite category when we're talking about Brave and the Bold episodes. That's going to be visual and animation. So uh, as we've alluded to, lots of things to talk about here. Uh, What stood out for you? So, yeah, I think first and foremost, just because she's a character we haven't talked about in this uh, style of animation yet, uh, Wonder Woman's appearance, I think, is is pretty fun. She literally almost, it's like they made her as close to Linda Carter as they could without having to pay Linda Carter for her likeness. <laughs> like the hairstyle's a little bit more representative of like the 1940s Wonder Woman, I think, or 1950s Wonder Woman, but uh, uh, very much so. And we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, a little I saw bit a little bit of Dar- too, but... a Darwin Cook, mm-hmm. uh, sort of that, Definitely. that new frontier-esque look, sort of not quite 100% golden age based on what she was wearing, but there's some influence in her hair and her tiara. For sure, for sure. So I like seeing that. I think there was like post Justice League Unlimited. I think it there was once again like weird rules about how they could and couldn't use Wonder Woman mm-hmm. uh, because she never actually gets her own uh, solo episode or, or episode where just her and Batman team up. I think she only appears in one other Brave and the Bold episode, and it's just in one of like the cold open uh, vignettes. Interesting. So I think there was limits to how often they could use her, but uh, yeah, I think she's. Stands out, you know, we get all the classic Wonder Woman stuff. We get the lasso, we get the bracelets, we get her throwing the tiara. Like, we get all the classic archetypal Wonder Woman stuff. So it's it's good that they were able to kind of fit all of that in there, probably knowing that this was going to be a limited uh, limited time deal for them to even get to use this character. And because she is, you know, she is, you know, at worst, the third most iconic character ever created by DC. <laughs> um that's you know it was cool to see her done up in this style and and to see her in all her glory so to speak 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I was not aware that this was one of the few times that she appeared on the show, so that's that's very interesting that she doesn't make another appearance or doesn't have that opportunity to do more of a solo one on one with Batman team up. Uh, but yeah, I, she she does a great job here. Uh, you know, that, the, getting to go to Themyscira, of course, and mm-hmm. and see you know uh, her interacting with her mom and the rest of the of the Amazonians is, is pretty interesting. Of course, her, her, her interaction with Joker who disguises himself as an Amazonian <laughs> warrior, uh, in order to infiltrate is pretty funny as well. Maniake. Mother, look out. The Joker. Well, it ain't Helen of Troy. <laughs> <laughs> No man sets foot on Paradise Island, let alone an insane psychopath. I am what I am, Wonder Wench. And you're about to be ancient history. (laughs) 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 So this is how the other half lives. Time to find out how the other half dies. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, her it, seeing her in this form is certainly unique, and I, I appreciate the fact that they did enough to to give homages to uh, to that same era of Wonder Woman, and and certainly Linda Carter, as you mentioned. For sure. Um, other than that, yeah, we get to see uh, Lex and his his classic superpowers. Uh, power armor, you know, a, a different version, a different take on that same armor that we see him in in Justice League and mm-hmm. in the old Super Friends series, as well as of course the the classic action figure line that uh, kind of spawned a, a lot of those spin-off Super Friends cartoons. Uh, it's cool to see that, and then yeah, this is a, I mean, as far as Cheetah goes, again, pretty much right out of Super Friends, just sort of updated slightly for the the Brave and the Bold style. It's it's the woman in the costume. It's not the more uh, animalistic versions that we've seen uh, more recently in comics and in live action movies with bad CGI. Um, <laughs> no offense. No, no, I didn't make the movie, none taken. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, it's very, it's three very like archetypal classic takes on, on the, the big three villains uh, of the episode as well. And like we said, the, the unique environment of Cheetah attacking Superman in the, uh, in the Fortress of Solitude, Lex Luthor teleporting into the Bat Cave. We get a brief Alfred appearance, and we get one of our favorite gags, no matter the universe, which is when Alfred dresses up That's as right. Batman or has to pretend that he's Batman. <laughs> uh, so good, always good, always good uh, to have a moment like that thrown in there. And yeah, uh, when Lex broke into the Bat Cave, I was curious because Alfred is carrying his suit around. It's the first time I, I made a notation. Also, it's the first time I had. I had seen first time in any of the episodes that we've reviewed, and that's always the the first uh, sort of exposure that I have to this this show. Mm-hmm. First time you see Bruce Wayne out of costume, and mm-hmm. uh, you commented that he's wearing a very Michael Keaton esque turtleneck. Yes. Uh, also, oh, I, I guess he sort of he does sort of wear that same turtleneck. I think in the new Batman Adventures, also. Yeah, I think uh, that's his non-suit look. Yeah, his non-suit look, well. his more casual look is a is a is that sort of turtleneck with a with those pants style too. So maybe a little nod to both of those appearances. Mm-hmm. Uh, but re- regardless, we get Bruce out of costume and Alfred in costume, <laughs> which is just great until Bruce can can uh, can find his suit and put it on as he's trying to evade giving his 
secret away to Lex. Uh, in that same scene, each each of those scenes where the the villains are taking on their new adversaries, I think they they did that really well. I already mentioned the the scene, uh, scene um, with Wonder Woman and Joker, and then mm-hmm. of course the there is some visual um, CGI that's used for this as as Batman is battling Luthor in the Batcave. He turns the the Batmobile into the Bat Mech suit sort of <laughs> robot thing yeah. that Luthor quickly sort of does away with. Uh, but that was my first time seeing that, and then um, yeah, the whirly bat. Say we get the, the whirly start, bat yeah. gets gets an appearance at the beginning as the Joker is launching a pie at Batman yeah. and Vicky Vale, <laughs> and uh, so we get to see the whirly bat make an make an appearance again. And then uh, there's there's some more CGI. I, I I think in maybe the Fortress of Solitude scene or or maybe the Themyscira scene. I can't remember which one. But yeah, I think there's a little bit when the uh, when the satellite dishes and stuff come out too. too. Um, there you go. But yeah, there, yeah, that's that's definitely I think the most fun is yeah seeing these different villain encounters and Joker uses pretty much like every like gag Joker weapon we've ever seen from right. rubber chickens to laughing gas to the playing cards to uh, near the end of the episode he pulls out a laughing fish and swings it at Batman so. You get kind of all like gas like, flowers. Absolutely, yeah. A lot, all the all of the classic Joker weapons as uh, as well, and uh, yeah, Cheetah really just like we get to see her. She slices Superman up. No, no red to indicate blood, but slices up Superman's costume. And then later, when Lex is teleporting them all away, it's it's like he has Batman captured. Joker's about to hit Wonder Woman with a hammer, and then they teleport. And then we cut to Superman and Cheetah, and Cheetah has like her claws dug into <laughs> Superman's eyes. Like she mentions that that Kryptonite most, tip too. Yeah, so that's like the most. That's probably actually the most violent of the three <laughs> uh, supervillain encounters we get in this episode. Sorry, big boy. Your message in a bottle will have to wait forever. <laughs> How did you... This charming little bauble. The amulet of Urs Cartaga channels the full mystic powers of my feline namesake. Magic, Superman. Something to which you are particularly vulnerable. Impressive. But you still won't win. So you might as well surrender now! Kryptonite laced nail polish. Isn't it too divine? Under all that steel? Just a man. Prize. Yeah, she uh, she handled Superman okay, surprisingly. Yeah, she, I mean, she talks about she has an amulet that's magic, which of course she talks about Superman being being mm-hmm. vulnerable to, which I think was more of a 
tended to be more of a Silver Age uh, trope as well. I guess there's there's some use of it in modern yeah, modern as well, but for sure. uh, certainly something that Superman is more vulnerable to than just straight up fisticuffs. So uh, that lended to that, and then of course we already mentioned the Luthor and and Batman battle in the Batcave. But uh, the culmination, of course, we mentioned the Legion of Doom headquarters, of course, being an homage as well. Uh, there's a lot of winks and nods here. Even the final scene, as the as the heroes uh, op- are there, 50 years in the future, to witness the opening of this time capsule, is a uh, there's a cameo by a character that I Liam admittedly had never heard of. You had heard of him uh, once we pointed it out, but that being uh, <laughs> that being uh, the pre- prez prez which prez, was with a z with a z. Uh, and Prez was a, a, a shortly lived comic from 1973 to 1974, as we learned, <laughs> starring uh, the phys- uh, fictional character Prez Ricard, or Rickard, depending on how you look at that last name. But um, yeah, that's, that's one uh, character created by Joe Simon and Jerry Grand, uh, Grandinetti. And uh, that was one that I had, I had admittedly being a DC fan my entire life. Yeah. That's not one that even made it into some of these like weird uh, DC action figure series <laughs> that went, went so deep into the roster. Uh, I don't think he ever got a DC direct figure ever made either. That's how sort of like way out there this character is. Yeah. There was a more recent like rebooted version of this that mm-hmm. came out as part of a, they had a DC had an imprint called young animal mm-hmm. uh, that involved like a doom patrol series and a few others. Um, and Prez was one of the, the series in that line. Um, I don't think it, I don't think it was particularly successful this time around either, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a, that, that is a, we talk about some deep cuts that they, they throw in on, on these various series, but that might be the deepest cut I think we've ever talked about on this episode is a Prez cameo. Keeping in mind that this cartoon was made before whatever, whatever that reboot was. So this is literally <laughs> just referencing that series from the seventies. That was pretty short lived. So Holy obscurities, Batman. A deep cut. But yeah, yeah, we have a, a lot of other cameos, as we mentioned in that baseball scene. We have Aquaman, Booster Gold, Green Arrow, Kid Flash, Plastic Man, and Robin, as well as Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And of course, on the villain side, we have Felix Faust, uh, Amazo, as you mentioned, the umpire of the scene, and actually probably the most active member of the Legion of Doom's team is the Weather Wizard, who keeps <laughs> freezing the balls as they're about to leave the uh, the stadium there. Yeah, that uh, that was that was pretty cute, and <laughs> just another one of those characters that was included there that didn't necessarily have to be included, but you know, got a got a little bit of a chuckle out of me. Absolutely, as well as as you mentioned, Vicky Vale Steve, and Steve Trevor also making a minor cameo appearances there. So yeah, to to wrap it all up here, to put a bow on it, it is uh, so much fun. I had a lot of fun with the visuals in this episode, and I actually gave it a very strong nine out of ten. Nice. Uh, I went. Uh, I love this look. I think every time we've done an, an episode of this, I, I just guffaw over the the visuals for this. It's so fun. Yeah. Uh, it's it's fun playing in this universe. They have a lot of fun doing so, and uh, you know, I I ended up giving visuals a perfect ten out of ten for that. Nice. Uh, 
Uh, it's it's really fun. It's I love the style. I love love the artwork. I love the way that it's drawn. The characters, as we said, this is having a new character and Wonder Woman, uh, the returning Superman. I even like the details. Just appreciating the details uh, going da- going like through this episode, even though we had already covered an episode that featured Superman, but him having the the S on the back of the cape mm-hmm. and uh, just some of those those the squinting little, eyes, the squinting or... eyes. Yeah, those little touches that. You know, you didn't, ha- you don't have to do, but they did as this homage to this era uh, is just so so welcome and makes you feel sort of like right at home and warm and fuzzy. So mm-hmm. I really, really, really enjoy the visuals for this show. So and uh, that Alfred cameo, uh, that Alfred as Batman, yes. uh, is uh, another another perfect homage to Batman sixty six or any of the other times that it that it's popped up. But uh, love that absolutely. All right, Liam, let's move on to our category of music as we talk about that today. Uh, as we've talked about before in the past, and as you sort of alluded to, this uh, the music tends to be uh, d- done by the Dynamic Music Partners, of course. Mm-hmm. It tends to be more of an homage to that Batman 66 era, but you also uh, pointed out there's, a, there's even some musical cues this week towards that, uh, that Linda Carter Wonder Woman. Yeah, the main uh, the main title theme of the Wonder Woman 1977 series is used complete with. I know you're not a big fan of lyrics in your cartoon music, Cal, but <laughs> here we have uh, complete with the the choir of women singing Wonder Woman over over and over again. Got me that. Got uh, me there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that I mean that's again like we said because that's such an homage to that era. Uh, it, it feels very appropriate to to have that there. Um, and yeah, other than that, we don't, uh, there weren't, I didn't have a lot of musical notes. Again, you get your very dramatic music. I think, I think the music in the cave fight between Luthor and, and Batman stood out to me as, as, as pretty darn good as far as adding to that tension and the excitement, uh, kind of picking up the tempo as the scene got more, more, uh, escalated as it went. So definitely some good stuff. Uh, definitely Wonder Woman was the, the standout, uh, theme for me, obviously. And, uh, uh, I gave music a, a solid 6 out of 10. Nice. Uh, I went just a tick higher. I went 7 out of 10. I would say uh, it it is a lot of filler, a lot of background music. I think that the final, the final fight between all of the heroes and villains really culminates and really pays straight-up homage to Batman 66 with the... Yes. Uh, with a sort of uh, guitar-driven, mm-hmm. it's not a straight-up. Uh, it's not a straight-up version of that Batman '66 fight theme that mm-hmm. everybody knows and can sing and hum. Uh, but it's it's an homage to it. It's it's it a, rhymes. It's, it's yes. It, it's a tr- it's poetic. It rhymes. Yes, it's poetry. <laughs> uh, it's definitely clearly what they're going for with it. So I I really enjoyed that. That sort of sort of popped me for for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. A lot. So, uh, yeah, the, not a whole lot musically otherwise to note. There was some music, of course, that played in the opening, uh, the cold open also during the baseball game yes. that was that added to that as well. Um, of course, the dynamic music partners are, you know, the big three from right. or th- the the surviving big three from that uh, that original run of DCAU cartoons. So when you mm-hmm. get you really the trinity, the trinity, <laughs> uh, if you will, of, uh, of of composing for these uh, DC superhero cartoons. So uh, it's no surprise that we we both really enjoy the music. Absolutely. All right, ma'am. Let's move on to our final category of the day, which is going to be voice acting uh let's talk about this week's cast and uh who our players are yeah we have a a pretty big cast here i'll hit on some of the bigger ones here 
Uh, as we mentioned him in his, his brief appearance is quite entertaining. James Garrett as Alfred, uh, who also went on to voice Alfred in numerous uh, direct-to-DVD Batman animated films who happen to be produced by uh, James Tucker. I'm <laughs> guessing that's not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. Uh, he does a good it. job. Obviously, it's it's we've talked about this a hundred times. It's it's weird to not have any have anyone besides Ephraim Zemblis Jr. Uh, voicing him. It's always going to sound a little weird at first, but I think he does a a nice job. And it was it was cool to see Alfred included in this episode. Are you sure this is the right approach, Master Bruce? Of course, Alfred. By feeding all the requirements of the time capsule ceremony into the back computer, length of time, posterity, heroics, it'll tell me the perfect item to donate. A batarang. Genius. And you are officially late for your dinner with Miss Vale. Will you have any further need for me then, son? That will be all for tonight, Alfred. Our tracking devices worked as planned. Leading us straight to our enemies. Caught with your trunks down, Dark Knight? Hair black. Muscular frame. Who are you? Did you come here to fight me, Luther? Or my janitor? Oh dear! Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's never it's it's never the same thing as Ephraim Zemblis Jr. But having, I mean, for this version of this character, it works out perfectly. You know, there's it, there wasn't that took anything that took away from this character distracted me. Absolutely. Uh, we also have uh, playing Hippolyta. We have uh, Tippy Hedren, who folks might know from Al- Alfred Hitchcock films of the sixties, <laughs> like The Birds. Uh, just uh, That's yeah, crazy. a legendary actress, and uh, here she is in a, in a minor role, um, playing playing Wonder Woman's mother here. But I, I saw that name, and I was like, "That sounds kind of familiar. Why do I know that?" And then, yep, sure enough, she was in uh, a couple different Hitchcock films as well. So uh, sh- she does a, a nice job there. It was it was fun to see that. We have uh, Roger Rose as Superman, who I think we talked a lot, uh, quite a bit about in uh, in his previous appearance in Brave and the Bold that we talked about back in the archives but he is pretty much the perfect like 50 superman voice oh yeah he's he's really really good there's there's a touch of familiarity too it doesn't feel like you know it's weird because we talked about obviously there's two dcau superman Mm -hmm. voices and we we've talked back and forth about whether we're more of a tim daly guy (laughs) um or or not and or a George Newbern guy. And, uh, you know, this Superman voice, while not being either of them, I think is in the same ballpark as them, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that, like, innocent, like, 40s, 50s Superman twist to it. Yes. Uh, uh, w- when they're in the diner and he says, when I'm talking about fighting for the American way, and he holds up a cheeseburger and a big milkshake, <laughs> he goes, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> And then takes a big bite of the cheeseburger. It's like, that's such a cheesy thing, but it's perfect for, like, Superman, 
I think uh, I forget who it was. It may have been Tom King or someone had once said like, "There's no such thing as too cheesy for Superman." Right. And I think especially when you're in this '50s, '60s, Silver Age homage era, like there's really nothing that you can't say as Superman that he's like, "Yep, that's Superman." Like right. that still feels right as corny and and silly as that line is. He delivers it uh, greatly. Love that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's done really, really well. He's he's not out of place as Superman, and and definitely. Uh, if he hasn't had the opportunity to voice Superman in other uh, in other outlets, uh, should definitely be given the chance if if uh, if there are other opportunities out there because I think he does a great job. Yeah, it would be interesting to hear him in a more modern Superman. Too, yeah, to see what he would do with a little it more there. a little more serious mm-hmm. edge to it. Absolutely, absolutely. And from there, of course, we have Vicky Lewis playing Wonder Woman, who folks might know from Finding Nemo or some of her. Uh, a lot of her other voice acting work over the years. Uh, she's good. I was honestly like, it's it's no one's fault. But when that when I heard the Wonder Woman theme, I thought, why didn't they just get Linda Carter to voice her? Right. Like again, other than that, you know, maybe they didn't want to pay for Linda Carter. But like, <laughs> right. But that not that's not that's not Miss Lewis's fault. She does a a fine job as Wonder Woman. Again, very a very archetypal heroic uh, Silver Age superhero voice. But she does a good job. Yeah, she doesn't have a lot of dialogue yeah. uh her, her interaction with superman and batman in the diner is she's sort of like trying to order a salad and like try to be health superman conscious Superman mansplains <laughs> to her <laughs> not, that's not the right term but he orders for her which yeah. is it's very unchivalrous yes him. and then batman batman is the one who mansplains that's he's right. the one who says that she's gonna work it off <laughs> By crime, by fighting crime or whatever. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a tongue in cheek nod to that sort of you know misogynistic yes. era to the era when she was the secretary of the Justice Society. Oy vey. <laughs> well, we've come a long way for sure. She for now sure. anchors pretty much solely anchors the uh, DC live action movie. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah. uh, the turntables have in fact turned. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. How they have. Uh, but yeah, who who else do we have? Obviously, we have uh, Jeff Glenn Bennett, who's making a return as uh, as the Joker. Who I just desperately want to be the voice of Plankton, apparently, <laughs> because every time I hear him, I'm like, oh, it's the guy that voiced Plankton on SpongeBob, and it's like, nope, still not, still not, <laughs> no, still Johnny Bravo, still, still Dexter's dad, absolutely, yeah, legendary voice actor, but just not for that particular <laughs> voice, uh, despite your best efforts That's to right. will that into existence. And apparently, it's so. going to be a Mandela effect thing with you, that. Apparently, with you, probably yeah. for the rest of the time we uh, for sure. review episodes with the Joker in them. But yeah, he he does a solid job. Like I said, I think that the highlight, uh, as we've talked about in uh, other categories, is that scene where he goes to confront Wonder Woman, and he's first it's a, mostly a visual gag of him in this veil, like tiptoeing <laughs> around, like walking very daintily as he's gassing all the Amazons, and then when he pulls off the the hood and 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 starts to attack Wonder Woman. He's uh, he, he's pretty darn good as well in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's a, it's a different Joker. We've talked about that before. It's mm-hmm. it's not it's not like any other Joker performance and it's not I don't know. It it doesn't at the end of the day it doesn't always come off like a Joker as opposed to just it's a cartoon villain mm-hmm. voice. Uh, I guess maybe which is why I want him to be Plankton because <laughs> it's more of that cartoon like over the top villain as opposed to a maniacal clown. Um, so I, I feel like, I mean, I love his performance, but it's, it's missing something as far as a Joker performance for me is concerned, mm-hmm. but it's, he's fine. Like he's, he's yeah. fine. He's fine in that role. 
He does a, a good job. And then, of course, we have Kevin Michael Richardson as Lex Luthor. Speaking of the Joker. That's right. Speaking of the Batman. Yeah. Uh, of course, played the Joker in, in that series and has done tons of other uh, voice acting work. Uh, he's a pretty great Lex Luthor. Like, again, it's uh, we're going to... Obviously, we're the DCAU review, so we're going <laughs> to... They have the unfortunate uh, problem of being compared to Clancy Brown and Mark Hamill and Ephraim Zimbalist and all these people that we've we've already mentioned. And right. Susan Eisenberg and uh, all these tremendous voice actors. But uh, uh, he does. A, I think he does a really good job. He probably of, of the villains has the most to do because he's the one that actually like hatches the plot. And I was going to say he probably. I feel like he has the majority of the dialogue in the mm-hmm. episode. Well, he he's also the only. I think the only villain who talks in the baseball sequence as well. So he's yeah. probably called on more than any of the uh, the other act actors in in this episode and he, yeah he does a fun job especially i think i think again that that sequence in in the bat cave with him playing off of uh diedrich bader as batman is is really quite fun for a thick lex luther with two c's That's right I, I think, yes i think that uh he does a great and it, we talked about it in the the other superman episode that we covered it's a different it's a different take on lex it's uh mm-hmm. you know it's it's more of the like mad scientist straight up supervillain as mm-hmm. opposed to the you know the uh, undercover businessman that's just kind of like sneakily evil <laughs> uh, or less overtly evil uh, right. so it's it for this tone of this cartoon and for the type of Lex Luthor character he's playing I think he I think he does a great job absolutely and then I uh, I saved her for last because she's probably the the most known name in this cast, uh, playing the cheetah this week, Morena Baccarin, who uh, folks might know from the Deadpool movies, um, oh, wow. as well as Gotham. She plays yep. Dr. Leslie Tompkins on, on Gotham, so there's another DC connection for you. For sure. T- tons of other... Have we talked about her once before? I feel like she may have been a voice actor in something else we... I don't know. There's it's... been 140-some of these, <laughs> folks. We are... <laughs> I feel like I've brought her name up before, Probably. But, it's uh, possible. But yeah, or it could have just been us talking, because yeah. we also talk about comics and cartoons That's when we're not recording good, the podcast. Here. Good point, yeah. Yeah, no, she does She does a great job. I did not know that was her. That's, pre- that's pretty interesting. Yeah, she. Uh, she's pretty... I mean, she does... She, her character... We. De- I feel like we definitely have talked about it, because I feel like we've talked about her character on Gotham, which I watched up mm-hmm. until I didn't... I don't think I ever watched the last season, but I, I was pretty faithful in watching that in the first couple seasons. And her character portrayal of Leslie Tompkins is definitely very different than <laughs> what we got in Batman the Animated Series or typically or is portrayed in in the uh, the comics. So for her, her portrayal is definitely different. But she has a she has a she has a good voice acting voice. She has a definitely has a voice mm-hmm. for voice acting, and she does a great job portraying Cheetah. I I didn't find anything offensive about it, and actually pleasantly surprised that that was her. And just so people don't yell at me, she voices the Black Canary on Justice League Unlimited, okay. uh, which I don't think we've actually reviewed an episode with her in it yet. Correct. But, but uh, just so we don't get yelled at. For I that. think we've <laughs> talked about her when we've talked about Leslie Tompkins on. That's like, probably it. On <laughs> Appointment in Crime Alley. Or... Yeah, that that sounds about right. But uh, regardless, yeah, I think she does a, a very good job as Cheetah here, playing off as, as we mentioned. Uh, she gets to play off Superman uh, uh, more probably than her classic rival of Wonder Woman here, and and of course, as as I briefly mentioned, we of course have uh, Diedrich Bader as Batman of the show. We'll say it every time we review an episode. He's perfect for this Batman. Um, from his line uh, when he and Vicky are tied to the giant uh, platter as Joker's about to throw a giant pie at them, and he 
tells her that uh, he hopes this doesn't uh, scare Vicky off from a career in journalism because it's still a very promising field. (laughs) Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, today we present a modern twist on a true clown classic, a staple of Harlequin humor, our unwilling participant, the Dark Knight himself, and a surprise guest, a nosy reporter who got a little too close to her story. I hope this doesn't dissuade you from a life of journalism, Miss Vale. It's still a noble calling. <laughs> uh, just, just a yeah. He does a he does a fantastic job in this episode again and again. Him playing off of uh, Kevin Michael Richardson as as well as as Vicky Lewis and and Roger Rose, I think is is all very very fun and and a, a good time was had by all. Yeah, yeah. They do they do it great. He fits this version of this Batman very well. Uh, even though, as we always say, as a DCU AU podcast, we'll always see Kevin Conroy as as Batman. This is this for this characterization of Batman a a great casting, and 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 he does a great job. Absolutely, and for all those reasons, Cal, I have given voice acting a perfect ten out of ten. Nice. Uh, I went just a tick lower. I went eight out of ten. Uh, I think there's I think uh, Kevin Michael Richardson does the 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 like the the lion's share of carrying as I mentioned here but uh overall I didn't you know I didn't think there was a lot there wasn't a lot needed as far as dialogue there's it's a mm-hmm. lot of action sequences it's a lot of visual gags it's a lot of punching and you know happen <laughs> happening in the yes. bat like the fisticuffs yep. uh, as opposed to the need for dialogue so there wasn't anything to me that that blew me away as far as like hey this is really really good performance um so that's why i gave it just a little tick lower there you go so let's total up our scores Lint. oh 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 that's that's a sound that means a bonus point has we, just been given, and it's not me this time, Cal. So that must mean it's you. It is indeed, Liam. Uh, so my bonus point is for uh, something uh, we didn't mention in visuals, or at least I intentionally didn't mention in visuals, and that is uh, in that final scene we get uh, a flash forward fifty years into the future as they are opening up this time capsule, as we said, and the character of Prez Rickard is opening up the uh, the time capsule and uh we get three uh three people in the crowd that uh happen to be watching and looking on uh who of course certainly resemble three people that we know one mm-hmm. being of course clark kent uh one of course diana but he wears glasses and superman doesn't wear glasses true. so we can't be sure it was he's also guy. got a little bit of graying at the temples yeah and then you have a, a gray streaked hair woman that looks a little bit like Wonder Woman, and then you have a a guy in, it looks, in a wheelchair. It's a little mm-hmm. bit uh, a little bit old and crusty. And uh, what did you know? It as soon as they uh, open this time capsule and bring out the jukebox, there is a uh, attack from some aliens and springing into action, headed to his phone booth, Clark Kent. Comes out dressed as Superman. Diana does her spin. Uh, another homage oh, yeah. to that uh, that Wonder Woman seventy seven, the the uh, great Linda Carter television program. And then uh, Batman, who bears a passing resemblance to a Kingdom Come Bruce Wayne uh, mm-hmm. drawing homage. His uh, wheelchair transforms into a mech suit that greatly resembles the Kingdom Come drawings, which. Uh, have a soft spot if we haven't Absolutely. mentioned it here before. A uh, huge soft spot for the Kingdom Come storyline, that, that graphic novel. Yeah. 
take the one on the left. I'll take the right. Works for me. You coming or what? Wouldn't miss it. Alex Ross, just a brilliant artist. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Wade, uh, just tremendous uh, uh, writer for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The combination of those two together, writing that, writing that story and and the artwork with it, is just something that uh, is one of my favorite graphic novels of all time. So I had to give a little bit of extra extra juice to this nice. one uh, as a uh, as a special nod to that Kingdom Come. I would have loved it if they had given Superman his complete like <laughs> Kingdom Come yes. costume or maybe one of the black under the s or... and then wonder woman maybe with her golden armor mm-hmm. or something like that that would have been like the the icing on the cake but i i'll take just batman in his uh in his kingdom come mech suit uh instead because that's uh one of my favorite batman designs of all time so uh absolutely love that and a great uh, great little wink and nod there at the end uh, to that kingdom come storyline love it all right, Liam. So, uh, totaling everything up here, Liam, I end up with a very respectable 33 out of 40. What about you? And I am just one notch lower on the scale there, Cal, with a final score of 32 out of 40. All right. Uh, these episodes continue to be pretty high ranked on our Absolutely. on our uh, scoring system here. I guess it comes down to rewatchability, Liam. As we talk about this one, uh, it's hard because I haven't watched uh, all this the entirety of this series. This one doesn't necessarily feel, other than it being maybe the only Wonder Woman appearance, it doesn't feel like it's too integral to the actual series itself but it is fun Mm -hmm. you have a lex luther joker cheetah team up and a Mm -hmm. and a trinity team up so what do you say yeah i would give this one thumb up for rewatchability just because it is the only full episode appearance of wonder woman that we get in this series and and uh, uh one of the only uh or one of the only Trinity adventures in animation up to this point, too. That's a good so, point. Uh, didn't have a ton of those where it was just the three of them in, in J- Justice League or JLU. So, and those episodes that they did, we really loved. And yeah, so far absolutely. have been some of the highest highest ranked episodes. Absolutely. So definitely, I, yeah, I would give this one thumb up for rewatchability. Yeah, yeah, I I, uh, I agree with you. I again, not having seen the entirety of this series, it doesn't seem like there are too many episodes that you're going to be like, this is a must watch, and you have to watch this <laughs> one because it is integral. Because there's not a lot of overarching, at least in the episodes that we've seen, right. stories that carry. I know, I think that's something they do later on in, in the final season. For sure, or... for sure. There's like a more established uh, homage to like the Justice League International team of, of the '90s and. And things like that, where they actually do build on uh, on some of their on some of their characters there and form like an official group. But yeah, as far as as you're, you could pretty much, and that's I think one of the great things about the show is whether you're watching it as an adult or you're watching it with your kids, you can kind of just pick an episode and you know you'll you'll have a pretty good time with it. Absolutely, yeah. And this is one that you can watch no matter what <laughs> what age you are, which is great about Absolutely. this. Absolutely. And certainly pull something out of it. You know, kids probably aren't going to get half of the Easter eggs and the homages to those old old comic books series or shows uh, like like you or like adults will. Uh, so yeah, it, it, across all ages, that's one one of the things that this Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon does really really well is appeals to people of all ages. Absolutely, in a different way than the DCAU. <laughs> For sure. 
All right, Liam. Uh, well, that will bring us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media at DCAU Review. Check out our Instagram. Uh, follow us on there. We post clips from upcoming episodes. Uh, we let you know when the new episodes are posted. We do lots of fun stuff on there. We also have a presence on Twitter. Uh, Liam runs our Twitter page, uh, so you can follow us at DCAU Review on there as well. Uh, we talk about it all the time. Time, but Liam always will drop a few days earlier than we announce on this episode what we'll be covering for the future. Uh, so Liam, with that being said, what are we covering for the new month of February, which starts next week? Well, it's funny, Cal, because you mentioned that uh, that flash-forward sequence where we see the superheroes in the future. Now, would you say that that sequence took place 50 years from now, whenever now is? <laughs> Well, it definitely takes 50 years. It's definitely 50 years in the future by what their dialogue was. So. Absolutely. And that is exactly where we'll be heading back into the future of Gotham City. The future, Liam? That's right. All the way to the year 2000. I mean, 50 years from now, whenever now is. Uh, as we return, first time in quite a while we have entered that uh, that space We'll be heading back to the future to cover more episodes of Batman Beyond in February. All right. We're very excited about that. And we are kicking off with the episode Final Cut. Awesome. Yes, uh, the uh, the return of Curare, uh, which is, uh, as we talked about, the, the very unique villains and rogues gallery that Terry has to contend with in that series. Always a lot of fun. So exciting to get back into that world and to experience it with uh, with another memorable episode next week. Absolutely. Don't forget, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, wherever that is, Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, pretty much anywhere else you can find your podcasts, you can find us. You can also, uh, if you want to support the podcast, check out our store. It's at the top of the page. Head over to dcaureview.com. Click on the store tab. Pick yourself up a shirt, a hat, a mug, a sweatshirt, something. We don't do ads on here because uh, we don't like them. So uh, if you want to support us and you like what we're doing, you can buy one of those. Those, uh, those items and then uh, send us a pic tweet us a pic uh, Instagram us a pic of you wearing your gear uh, we'd love to see that in action but uh, I am excited to head back to the future next week but until then I'm Cal and I'm Liam and we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. farewell <laughs>